Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Adam Davis. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about influencer marketing in the financial industries. Now, influencer marketing is something common in travel, in fashion, in beauty, but it's also become a common phenomenon in the financial uh, services industry. And we want to look at why and what influencer marketing tools look like in the context of finance, how it is executed, uh, but also some of the barriers that surround it at the moment. Um, before we start, we just want to tell you about some of the things that we're working on here at 11FS and also a little quick word from our sponsors. Hey folks, over here at 11FS, we're still working hard to build the next generation of financial services and our team is growing quickly. So we're looking for a bunch of new 11s to join us. If you or someone you know is up for a new challenge and a bit of a fintech nerd like us, check out the roles in consulting across product, engineering, design, delivery, and strategy. You'll find all the details at 11fs.com forward slash careers. Temenos is the world's leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks serve over 1.2 billion people. Our purpose is to make banking better. Together with our community, we make banks more successful, individuals better banked, and society better served. With our software, banks can create more human, differentiated digital experiences, hyper-efficient business models to benefit the bank and their customers, and simplify and transform their back office. Our clients are the highest-performing banks with cost-income ratios which are twice better than the industry average. Learn more at temenos.com. Okay, let's get started. Uh, joining me today, making her FinTech Insider debut, uh, but known from the FinTech Marketing Podcast, uh, is my colleague and co-host, Marriott Ferreira. Uh, Marriott, how are you doing? Th- that was well mouthful, Adam. Well done for getting all, through all of that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, this is exciting, isn't it? I mean, I'm usually over on FinTech Marketing Podcast, so yeah, it's, it's great to be on FinTech Insiders and, and obviously talking about a topic close to my heart. Yeah, I guess um, j- just as a very short overview, can you tell us a little bit about the FinTech Marketing Podcast, uh, where to find it, how to find it, and what, what you, you currently cover? Yeah, of course. So um, we're in, uh, just past halfway or season two of FinTech Marketing Podcast, um, and we've been having some great conversations. Um, I've been hosting a few roundtables where we dug into content marketing, scaling up your marketing, performance, etc. Um, and then my co-host, Eric Fulweiler, has been having some one-to-one conversations with senior marketing leaders, um, diving into their insights, their experience and learnings um, over the years. So yeah, I mean, it's it's on Spotify, Apple, all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, give it a listen. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and to dig into the topic today, uh, we're joined by some fantastic guests. Uh, making a welcome return to FinTech Insider, we have Alexandra Freen, who's the Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Starling Bank. Uh, Alexandra, um, how are you doing? Are you well? I'm really good, Adam. Thanks very much. And um, I've been smiling all day despite the heat because I've been reading the uh, Treasury Select Committee report on Greensill and what went wrong. And there's there's this lovely section on why Greensill wasn't a fintech and a quote from Lord McPherson, this simply was not fintechery. And I've been walking yes. around all day with that in my head. I absolutely loved it. So made my day that has. Yeah, that's a new three-syllable word, fintech, or four syllables, I think you can get out of that. That's good. Uh, that's uh, some serious jargon. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. And it is super hot at the moment. Um, 
Also joining Alexandra and us uh, and making a uh, welcome return, we have AJ Coyne, who's the head of marketing at Klarna. AJ, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me back again and to talk about, I guess, a topic that, like Maria, is very close to my heart. I'm a self-confessed nerd on this topic, so apologies if I go a bit heavy in the data at times and feel free to tell me to shut up at, at any point if I, if I do. So, <laughs> no, no, no worries at all. No, it's great to have you on. Uh, and last, by my no means least, uh, we're joined by Adam Haddy, who's the VP of Marketing at Current. Uh, Adam, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. It's one of my favorite topics. Uh, great, Stice. Good to have you. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Current in particular, uh, about where you guys are in, in uh, your evolution and uh, what you guys offer as a product? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So we're, we're a mobile banking fintech uh, based here in New York City uh, in the US, uh, really, really serving Americans uh, not properly served by traditional banks, right? And so we're, we're addressing everything from access to liquidity, uh, to opportunities to accumulate wealth, and, and growing at a pretty rapid rate. Uh, we just we just recently announced our, our Series D, uh, led by Andreessen Horowitz uh, of uh, 220 million or so. Uh, so we're, we're, we're out here trying to grow fast. Sounds great. Um, excited to get into this topic, uh, which kind of, I suppose, cuts at the core of sort of how banks are distributing products and, and services at the moment, and obviously how they're marketing them as well. I guess... Uh, Starter for 10, uh, especially for some people who might be listening to this and, and understand and know what influence in marketing it might be in their minds, but don't necessarily know how it's been applied to FS. I'll throw it out there. AJ, it might be worth even starting with you. From your perspective, what constitutes, I guess, an influencer and specifically, I guess, an influencer when it's related to financial services? Yeah, um, I think that the term has evolved a lot thanks to, I guess, social media in the, in the, in the last decade um but for for us at Klarna um it is I guess anyone of influence with an audience and can be from micro size um so sub 10,000 through to um celebrity and so for us we would still class a celebrity as uh, an influencer as well but at that point you're talking sort of you know millions and millions of tens of millions usually of followers at that point and and from a fintech and and I guess a financial services company like ourselves, the, the role of influencer varies depending on region we're working in. Is it a global campaign? Is it talking product? And um, are we talking specifically an invitation to credit or one of our shopping products? And, and as such, the, the type of influencer that we would look to recruit would, would very much differ um, depending on that role and that service. But um but I do think influencer has become a bit of a taboo in recent times, thanks to the media. Um, but influencers are, are, are not a new topic and have been in the world of marketing, I think, for, for a long, long time. Yeah, I was going to say something like, I mean, influencer for, I suppose, the common folk sort of certainly has sort of gone into the public mainstream as reality TV shows have come sort of into more mainstream. And then I suppose the stars of those have then created the kind of an economy around them, if you like, with, you know, different uh, distribution and publication and, and sponsorship deals, etc. And that's kind of like the most traditional view of it. Um, Maria, I'll come to you because there's within the context of financial services, I suppose, you know, we we in the UK would look at somebody maybe like Martin Lewis as like the ultimate FS fine, you know, influencer. Um, and given, you know, the sort of 
different distribution panels that he, he's got, especially uh, uh, online. Is there kind of different strategies, I guess, for different types of influencers? Because, you know, your Martin Lewis looks a lot different to you, your person from Love Island, I guess. So like, and, and I suppose what, what's some of the thoughts that need to go into actually, you know, recruiting those guys and potentially working with those guys? Yeah, so I, I just write to me, I suppose, in, that, uh, in the sense of um, influencers uh, in, in the wider um, in the wider scene, sort of, you know, celebrities right through micro influencers, it varies greatly how you approach that. Um, I'd also add that technically this is not new, right? I mean, the only thing that's a new dimension is, is social media. I mean, uh, celebrity sponsorships, um, brand endorsements, all those sorts of things, you know, it's been happening for decades. So uh, it, it, I think it's the social media part of it that's really added different dimension and created and spurred this whole creator economy, which means that audiences have more direct access to those influencers rather than someone, you know, in a movie or on TV talking about a big bank. So th- th- those sort of barriers of engagement, um, social media is removed. Um, and, and that's a good thing um, because, you know, that does mean that you can engage more with your audience, but that also means that um, th- there's no filter, right? So uh, that's where brands um, are working hard with their influencers to make sure that they're aligned on messaging, you know, they, they're aligned in ideals, in values, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that that would be the big difference. Yeah. Adam, I might come to you. We'll talk about a current uh, partnership that you've got with Mr. Beast because it's a great uh, example of this. But I suppose, like, cutting to the core of that, how do you, um, how did current and, and how would you recommend, I guess, companies go about choosing the right kind of influencer, I suppose, for their brand? And and I, and I guess um, within that, there must be sort of different strategies to that because you're looking at potentially using third-party platforms and suppliers maybe to help you get to, you know, uh, quite a few maybe influencers and creators and, and get sort of tapped into that creator economy. But then actually you also want to go specifically direct to, you know, those you know mega and macro influencers, if you like, who have got like significant reach. And and how do you manage that internally and how's your team set up to, to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, especially getting started, it's not it's not overly complicated, uh, right? You, you, you need to start with your audience and, and where they are, right? And if you have you know, an older audience, if your audience is 50 plus, they're going to have different influencers uh, than, than, than somebody who's, you know, 20 plus or, or 20 to 30 or, or in their teens or, or whatever. Generally, generationally is, is one of the biggest differences here. And obviously, you know, you go within that and, and you have, you know, gender splits, you have interest splits, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, I, I used to work in, uh, in on, on a number of sports games and, and, and sports platforms, and those had their own influencers, right? And to AJ's point and Marriott's point, none of this is new. Uh, none of this is, is mind blowing. But you know, kind of the the and, and with the advent of social media, I'd say the biggest functional difference here is that now uh, these influencers own their own distribution. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I you know twenty years ago, hey, I wanted to get Michael Jordan. That's great. Michael Jordan's awesome. But like, I had to go through. You know, maybe it's maybe it's the NBA, maybe it's maybe it's the Chicago Bulls, maybe it's you know ESPN or TNT or whoever you know uh, TV network uh, to actually get him on the air and get him as an endorser and get that message out there. Um, today, I can cut all those people out, right? I can go direct directly to the to to, to that influencer, um, and and they can go directly to their audience. 
Um, and so uh, in terms of how to get started, I would I would do the same. I would go directly to our audience and ask them and ask them. Right. You can you can infer based on age and based on interest and based on other information. That's not not too hard to gather. Um, but look, I mean, you know, in, in our case, we have we have a fairly young demographic, uh, you know, 18 to 34. Our, our, our median age is, is 27. Um, and so, you know, it, it doesn't take much research to, to, to get to the fact that social influencers, YouTubers, TikTokers are some of the most important people um, in, in in their lives. Um, and so that's uh, that, that that's where we've started. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, uh, Alexandra, I'll, I'll come to you for a sec because we're, we're going to talk throughout this podcast about how financial institutions, I guess, maybe is a little bit different. Um, and, you know, that could just be because people don't necessarily want to, you know, advertise, you know, financial services products. They maybe don't understand financial services products. But there is research that shows that most financial institutions want to work with what we call mid-tier influencers. Um, and this was a report from Compare Media that sort of said mid-tier are those with around sort of 50,000 to 500,000 followers across their platforms. Is this, do you think that's because... Uh, financial services institutions almost need to have a little bit of trust that whoever they work with is going to distribute in the right way just because of, you know, the significant effects if, let's say, you know, A, for trust, but then also for misuse of products and misuse of messaging, etc. Well, the, there's always the question of the regulators. Um, uh, and those, and the regulators, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we, we've got to behave within the regulations. But I just want to go back to something Adam said, is, you know, you've got to go to where your customers or your potential customers are. And um, they're on social media platforms, so that, that's, that's why you go there. I think there's also um, a real hunger for financial education um, amongst everyone, not just young people. Um, everyone wants to know more about it. And uh, I think done well, um, this, this is a role that um, social media influencers can, can play. So I think that's a really, I think there's a massive, massive um, uh, desire to understand money more, to do, um, to make better investments. I mean, just look at how everyone piled into GameStop, look at how um, the crypto thing is all taken on, fueled by social media. People want to understand how money works. And I think social media influencers have got a, a fantastic opportunity here. Adam, maybe that's the difference between you mentioned Martin Lewis in the UK, where he's very much leaning into that financial education piece. Um, and actually, uh, I've got a question for AJ, because uh, you, you guys differentiate between product and brand influencers. On the product front, for me, immediately, that means there's an element of education here, right? You're going to have to explain what this is and how, what the risks are, et cetera, versus brand influences is more of a, um, maybe a mindset that you buy into. Um, how, how does that differentiation come to life for you? So it typically um, comes to life down to either maturity of market um, and penetration of our products and understanding, um, but then also, I guess, high growth categories or shopping verticals that we see uh, vast potential in. So for us in the UK, at the moment, um, our highest growing audience is 50 plus, and it is growing exponentially week on week, right? As a brand that you know, that is very different to where we've been in the past. So actually, in terms of how we start to involve more brand influencers in that side is sort of high demand. So we have to sort of work, work very quickly from that. Um, the education side is, is, is very much around leaning into it's less the Martin Lewis's for us purely because we're looking for, for, I guess, 
influences that are super clear in, in and, and digestible in their content. And so obviously FinTok um, is, is massively growing on TikTok. Um, and there are some brilliant creators that are really removing the jargon that exists in, in, in our industry, in our category, and doing so in a way that is it's far better than any content creative I've seen from any brand in the space whatsoever. So there's a there's this, I guess, in, in addition to what Adam was saying around they've now got their distribution, they're also now making content to a certain extent that is is, is far greater than a lot of we're capable of. The, the best examples of people explaining our products are not written by people at Klarna. It's either by our consumers or by some creators that we're working with in the influencer space. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, uh, it's kind of, a, I suppose, in... A macro question. We're moving into sort of a next part where we're going to talk a little bit about influencer marketing strategy. But sort of as a question to link into that, I'm interested to get your thoughts. Like if I'm sitting at a big bank and I, you know, and I put out marketing uh, and I'm sitting in the marketing function of a big bank, is it, you know, do you guys, can you conceive a possibility in the future that actually marketing departments of banks are almost redundant or they're completely reshaped so that they actually, uh, they're almost it's almost agents who look after a you know a network of creators or a network of influencers who do the distribution of the product on their behalf because i'm you know, marketing departments typically especially the big boys you know that's some serious dollars that they're putting into you know bums on seats to be able to run those and you might make the suggestion certainly in the future as social media platforms continue to grow and the creative platforms continue to grow that actually that might be a better distribution and strategy in you know in its totality i just wanted to get your your views on that uh, I, I would say that that's a bit extreme uh, <laughs> of, 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 of a world. I mean, look, you're not going to find a bigger fan than, uh, of influencers than myself, right? Uh, I, I, I'm fully aware of, of, of kind of their power and, and, and leverage it. Uh, however, there, there's a bit of a balance there because ultimately, if you, you know, you need to lead your own brand efforts. You need to have a, your own brand voice uh, and, and you can use influencers uh, to deliver that. And they're going to deliver it in their own way, and you want to leverage that, and you and you and you balance the two, um, but you 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 need to be providing that that singular direction, uh, particularly from you know uh, a brand marketing perspective. Uh, it's very important to be consistent, uh, and you can't be delivering eight different brand marketing messages eight different ways. It, it's going to you know confuse your consumer base, and then you just end up with a little bit of a muddled mess. Uh, so you need to be able to con- control that messaging a bit and make sure that's consistent and driving in the same direction while still leveraging what makes influencers great, which is their own unique talents, their own unique voices, their own unique expertise in their own audience. Um, so it's it's uh, maybe not 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 to the full extreme there there, but yes, using I mean obviously user generated content has been a trend for 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 years, and the lines are starting to get blurred between. You know, where are your users, where are your influencers, where are your creators, what are they used for, and all that. Um, probably staying with yourself, Adam, because I just wanted to touch upon the partnership that Current are doing with Mr. Beast, how that partnership came about. I guess, uh, you know, he's from a, a following, you know, the amount of followers that he's got, the amount of exposure that he's got, the amount of causes that he's, uh, that he's involved in across platforms, um, you know, super influential. How did almost uh, the meeting come about that you, you know, the partnership came together and what was, what was what, you know, I suppose, what was the message and, and the mission that kind of, you know, aligned you guys together? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it goes back a bit, actually, uh, actually predating my, my, my time at Current. Um, but, you know, for those, for those listening, Mr. Beast is essentially the, the, the number one YouTuber 
in, in, in America. I think he has something like 65 million subscribers, um, just has unprecedented reach, right? And so, and so we, we entered an agreement with him, a multi-year exclusive agreement, where he's, he's actually an, an investor in Current as well. And, uh, but, but this started a long time ago. This actually started, uh, I, I, I first sponsored Mr. Beast four years ago, uh, and he's seen pretty tremendous growth growth over that, that those four years. Uh, we, he had about one million subscribers at, at, at the time. And uh, it's actually a little bit of a funny story. I, I reached out about sponsoring him. I was working for, for a company called Quid at the time. And he uh, I offered him $5,000. And he was like, well, I, I don't really do any sponsorships. I don't really know what to do with this. And then he reached out two weeks later. He called me. He was like, hey, can I give away $10,000? Or can I, sorry, can it be $10,000 and can I give the money away? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want with the money. That's not, that's not my business. Uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 and we agreed to a deal. I, I kind of just took a little, little leap of faith there. Uh, and he gave, he, he made a video. He gave away $10,000 to a homeless person uh, on the street and uh, it became the biggest video on his channel and it, it kind of blew up. And so that uh, became a bit of a trend. Uh, and actually, you know, in large part became a theme of his channel was giving away money. And, and so as a, as a business, we're very much aligned with that, right? Giving value back to customers. Uh, and, and really, it's, 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 it's a great win-win-win scenario uh, in which uh, we can, you know, he obviously, again, with his reach and his, with his distribution, he can get current in the hands of, of millions of, 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 of customers. We're also able to, you know, give him money. Uh, he obviously grows by his virtue of his, his his investment in us, uh, and then we're able to return that money back to his fan base, and so that's really cool, right? Yeah. If you look at the influencer world today, uh, there's tons of ways in which creators and influencers they they can monetize their audience, and there's an entire economy that's built around this. There's actually not that much that does the inverse, um, but we're actually a platform uh, in which uh, we can give money to tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people. And so if you look at uh, the integrations that, that we've done with Mr. Beast, uh, they're actually based around that, based around uh, a scaled way of giving money back to, to his fans, which is uh, which couldn't be more on brand for Mr. Beast. So it's uh, it's a pretty aligned partnership. That's super cool. Actually, I was going to touch on that because he's. I think he's recently talked about... Um, or he's invested in uh, a new organization, which I think is starting soon called Creative Juice, which is kind of the, uh, it's going to look across all your social media platforms, you know, how you're monetizing them, et cetera. And then he's also, and and a bunch of other um, co-founders are going to invest in potentially, you know, new social media uh, and content creators and, you know, people who want to become part of this economy. Um, I guess actually from all of you guys, Alexandra, you first, and AJ, I'd be interested to get your, your thoughts on this as well. How much, I suppose in your strategies, are you looking at connecting to the wider, you know, creator ecosystem as part of your marketing strategies going forward? Because, you know, as we've just said, you know, you can go sort of direct to the Mr. Beasts of this world, and then you can also potentially, uh, you know, do some form of partnerships ad hoc with, you know, uh, potentially micro influencers or mid-tier influencers. But actually, you know, potentially hooking into these third-party platforms is, uh, and especially if those third-party platforms are started by, you know, influential people within the creating economy at the moment, you know, that, you know, from a distribution perspective looks like a really sensible way to go. And and, and how much, I suppose, is that on your radar? Um, well, I think for, for Starling, we haven't done anything like um, a relationship with Mr. Peace. I've, I've been watching it all afternoon. It, it, it's so compelling. <laughs> and I just watched one where he said he was going to lock himself in a coffin for 50 hours. And it made me physically sick out to turn it off. Um, <laughs> we haven't done that. But I would say is that when we have, you know, 
we, we've we've been so blown away by the content that other people have created for us. We have our our own creative team, and then you give a brief to someone, and they come back with a bit of creative that's better than anything you've done. And that's not to diss our own creative team who are brilliant, but I'm thinking of one, you know, the piece of sponsorship we did with the comedian Adam Buxton, and he made a J- Starling Bank jingle, which was, um, you know, I've, I've still got it going in my head months and months later. And, you know, <laughs> so it, it's, but it's hard to let go as a fine, you know, we're a bank, we're, we're covered by all the um, regulations um, of being a bank. People are giving us their money. So we've got to have a sort of trust um, side. But it, I think it's good to open yourselves up to other people's creative juices because you, you do get, you, you become, there's a danger of becoming quite conservative as a financial brand um, if, if, if you don't open the door to outside creators. And so that's what's been uh, really eye-opening for us and, and a joy, actually, to see what, what other people have done. Yeah, and AJ, I'm just interested to get your thoughts. I mean, in terms of, again, sort of alignment to those platforms and, and the ecosystem play. Yeah, so for, for us, it kind of, weirdly, given that we are a fairly innovative business, we, we aren't, we're, I guess, using platforms to source influences or, or drive distribution. I think um, for a few reasons, I think first and foremost, we will only ever work with influencers who use our products um, and will not ever work um, from a credibility perspective with a, a paid relationship without that guarantee. So it's, it's, it's a long lead conversation and relationship that we need to build, uh, which is very difficult within the current setup of some of the tech distribution sort of sourcing platforms that exist for, for, for gaining influencers. Um, not to say that won't change in the future, um, but but for for now, and I think given, and I'm going to go data, so apologies, but then this is very UK. But like, it influencer space, whilst incredibly beneficial for us as marketeers, is fraught with risk for consumers. Um, and and I mean, I think because we did some YouGov studies earlier this year that was sort of thirty percent. Um, of people in the UK are acting on advice from influencers in the financial services space, yet nearly 50% at the moment in the UK don't understand that hashtag ad means that influencer was paid for that post. So there's a bit of a, I guess, not just a trust, but an ethics side of, I guess, how we're approaching and a lot of the influencer work you'll see from Klarna over the next few months is actually educating the UK on the terms and actually educating the UK on, on and sort of challenging what currently exists with um, the regulators around what is transparent and clear to make sure that people understand if they are seeing a post for an influencer that actually that they've been paid and there's a relationship involved in that. So um, yeah, no tech platforms yet. Cool. Um, I, I just wanted to ask. We'll, we'll come into the um, I suppose the the regulatory aspect of this in in, in a little bit. Um, I guess from a um, uh, changing tax slightly. How important is it? Do you think on balance to have um, I suppose celebrity. I suppose celebrity, sort of with a, um, I suppose a quotation mark around it. But or, or, or what I suppose you would uh, describe as celebrity versus just having an influencer. And from a trust perspective, I guess where have you seen uh, trust from your consumers? Where have you seen, I suppose, the most uh, trust equity or brand equity in the person delivering that message? So you know, is it is you know, and and what, what I'm trying to dig at there really is, does the person who is 
uh, you know, advocating your product, do they have to actually have sort of some form of semblance or history in finance or actually can they be, you know, somebody who's completely left field to this, but potentially missions driven or, or, or does, does it lose the value if they're not? Um, AJ, I'll come to you again for that one, I think. Um, uh, for, for us, there hasn't been, I guess, in terms of our trust data, um, there hasn't been a change depending on, I guess, expertise or size of audience. Um, at Klarna, we've worked with, you know, I mean, Snoop Dogg, ASAP Rocky, Lady Gaga, um, they're fairly famous people. Um, <laughs> Um, and um, broad and, in their and, experience, yeah, very broad, <laughs> and, and all, all music, right? But certainly not financial experts whatsoever. Um, but they are, I guess, part of more of a global media strategy. Uh, inf- I guess investors in the company, similar to, to Adam's um, uh, uh, reference earlier. So there's a credibility angle there, but 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 not to, to the same stretch as if you actually do have a trust issue. I mean, in the UK, we did. Um, far, rewind twelve months ago, and, and you know the, the the media coverage of of our brand in this market was was pretty damning, right? And so we had a, a lot to do to turn that around. Um, and and actually, for us, influencers weren't weren't the right, I guess, channel or, or role to do that because of I guess they're a step away from the company at the moment. Um, they are great for you know, creating content, explaining content, but when it comes to to trust for us anyway, it's very much about you know being transparent, calling BS. I was about to, I don't know if I can swear um, BS when you need you to. You can, um, you can swear. Yeah, calling bullshit um, when needed, but also be you know apologising when needed too. So and and for us, the only person that can do that is, is, is it has to come from Klarna. Um, so so influencers play a very very different role um, um, for us in in sort of chain turning around a trust issue. Um, um, but it, I think the point for, for, for us ongoing is they have to be users of our products. Um, and if not, that could be a, an issue with decreasing trust um, in the future. Uh, Marriott. Adam, uh, I'd say this sort of shift in the creator economy, at the, uh, I wouldn't say more recently, but the mo- more successful influencers definitely get that um, it's in their interest to maintain trust and to be compliant at least in, in the financial services world, but but to be fair, also in sort of wider advertising, you know, these people get that they are effectively running a business, right? So it's not in their interest or in their client's interest for, for them to, I suppose, go rogue in that sense. So where AJ's talking about, um, you know, the, the influencers playing different roles, um, these guys are creating a lot of valuable content for those audiences. So whether it's a celebrity or, or you know, whether it's a, a micro-influencer, they, if, if they are creating valuable content, whether they have a financial services background or not, you are accessing their equity and their attention. Um, so I, I'd almost say, well, I mean, as, <laughs> as Adam and AJ have proven with uh, their influencers, it, it doesn't really matter if they've got a financial services background. Yeah, I was just going to ask AJ, like the reaction to the Snoop Dogg adverts when they first came out, because that was kind of even before Snoop Dogg started advertising sort of other products that you wouldn't Everything. necessarily, yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't necessarily associate himself with, I guess, because that was that was quite uh, uh, that was pretty revolutionary, I suppose, in terms of you know positioning, brand positioning. Well, what was the kind of reaction you got then and then now? You know, because now if that happened again, actually, people would you know would just like kind of accept it as the norm, which is really interesting. Like in terms of the cultural zeitgeist, that's moved so much and shifted in like a year. But what was the reaction you got then, and, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, so I think the um, um, 
at the time Klarna was small right tiny um and and sort of unheard of and and then in comes this really pink peculiar um very much makes you feel something doesn't explain what we are with this bang with snoop and it was i mean you know i think any marketeer or brand's goal is to have the internet turn its attention onto you for a moment and and for as long as the internet will allow right and 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 we had a fair amount of attention globally in the internet for for at least you know 24 hours which is massive so um and i think it, it sort of tore up our rule book um in terms of how we wanted to to to, to go big and, and everything's to market but because of um that success it becomes expected so actually um uh we have a very successful campaign live with asap rocky that sort of i guess borrows some of the ingredients from from that campaign but driving a new shopping agenda actually i think the onus on us for, for Klarna next year and and, and looking at um and, and, and all brands really is actually what's the tearing up that old formula how do you do the same and get the internet to turn its head on you with without just sort of doing that um that element that we did before no, understood. Um, j- just before I go on to the, I guess, the next section on this, uh, Alexandra, I just wanted to come to you a little bit about um, one of the uh, campaigns that you're currently running with your influencer program, uh, which showed uh, Jenny Berry, who's a wheelchair user, who switched to Starling Bank. Uh, she found her old bank to be uh, inaccessible, hard to get to. Um, do, do, do you want to just talk a little bit about uh, that initiative in particular and, and I suppose what um, uh, the, the sort of the story and the campaign around it and, and, and how that you know brought that to life absolutely thanks adam uh, we decided that we wanted to do a, a campaign um featuring um influencers who are all had a disability we worked with an agency called purple goat that represents um disabled uh people and uh jenny is a wheelchair user and the story of that particular post that went viral was she 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 She's like um, um, AJR, our influencers are all customers. So she, she did a post about switching to Starling Bank. Later that day, she happened to be going to her boyfriend's bank to deposit a check for him. She couldn't get in. And there were two doors at the bank, but because of COVID restrictions, they decided to close one. And they decided to close the accessible door um, with the ramp, uh, not the other one. And... She got back to her car, not having been able to get in, and she was so upset. And she just did this rant, very measured and uh, well informed, uh, but heartfelt about how it really sucks that people are so inconsiderate to people in wheelchair. And she and uh, ends it by saying, you know, and people ask me why I was uh, promoting a bank earlier today. Well, this is why. Here is a signing as a bank that's made things accessible. So that wasn't that piece of content wasn't the bit she did for us, but it, it sort of acquired a life of its own because it, it just happened to be a piece of um, experiential angst that she went through that the mm. same day. But she was part of a wider campaign that, that we decided to do with um, Purple Goat because we, we knew that a lot of um, uh, disability forums were, were talking about fintech and how, how great fintech is for people who've got mobility issues um, or hearing issues or w- whatever. And um, we thought there was a way of reaching a wider audience. So we not, weren't just targeting... Um, people with disabilities, we were targeting everybody, but doing it through these influences. I don't know if you know those kitchen utensil good grips. I bet everyone has got a good grip 
kitchen utensils, those big chunky black handles, they were designed yes. initially for people with arthritis. But it turned out they were so bloody good that they weren't mainstream. And this is this was the thinking behind um, our uh, campaign with um, Purple Goat, which we got a lot of engagement with, um, more than we've had on previous campaigns. Um, smaller reach, but uh, much much better engagement. So that's valuable to us. But that that uh, instance with uh, Jenny Berry was, I say, it was a sort of a real life incident that happened that illustrated the point we were trying to make with her beautifully um, in an unplanned way. Yeah, it's nice when you can take those kind of moments and actually bring them to life through those stories, which is, which is you know, which is amazing. And it literally is the definition of an influencer program. So yes, that's pretty and cool. banks with branches, leave your accessible doors open, please. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, especially as they're all being redesigned and cut down and simplification and all that. It's, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um we're going to take a quick pause here before we come back to the next part, uh, and we'll be back very shortly. Season two of the FinTech Marketing Podcast has landed. Join me, Eric Fulweiler, Chief Marketing and Commercial Officer here at 11FS, as I talk directly to some of the most influential CMOs in the world of FinTech and financial services. I'm going to be asking them how they build brands, how they drive growth with modern-day marketing. This season, I also have a new co-host, Mariette Ferreira, our marketing director here at 11FS. She will be talking to the people getting down and dirty on the marketing front lines with roundtable chats from some of the best in the business. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out. That's FinTech Marketing Podcast by 11FS. Customers expect more from their digital experience, and their personal finance is no exception. BlueShift empowers fintechs and financial institutions to create secure customer profiles and intentional, relevant experiences for customers. Whether in-app, on-site, in-branch, or anywhere else, BlueShift's Smart Hub CDP helps brands like LendingTree and ClearScore turn data into personalized experiences that increase retention, satisfaction, and revenue. Learn more about BlueShift at blueshift.com forward slash 11FS. Uh, so welcome back. Uh, we're going to spend this next section just talking a little bit about uh, existing challenges uh, and specifically around financial services um, and influencer strategy and I suppose influencer execution, I guess. Uh, Alexandra, I'll come to you first. Um, social media influencers in the UK, uh, there's regulation set by the FCA, which they need to follow. Uh, in the US, you've got the same thing from the FINRA, so FINRA. Um, I suppose from a uh, from marketing efforts and from sort of a distribution perspective, how much do do these regulations curtail what you're what you're able to do and and who you're able to engage with? I would challenge Adam how you frame that. You talk about curtailing and challenges. Um, the regulations are safety rails, um, and they they protect our customers, our potential customers, and they protect us as well. So we like regulation. And, um, uh, you know, just off air, uh, we were just joking about those darned regulations, but actually, no, um, we like them. They're a good thing. Um, it's pretty simple financial promotion rules. You're, it's got to be clear, fair, and not misleading, or fair, clear, and not misleading. That's, that's very, very, I love that they've distilled it into those sort of three things. Um, so they, they do, they, they are very, very heavily influence what we do on social media. Absolutely. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It just, yeah. You have and, to be more creative. Yeah. And I, I, Adam, I'll probably come to you just on this. In terms of 
I'm thinking back to the days of sort of affiliate marketing and, you know, uh, your your distributors, distributors, sorry, third-party distributors are sort of sending out links. How important is it, just given the reach now of social media, that tracking of those links is done in such a transparent way and they don't necessarily fall, I guess, into the hands of people who can manipulate them? So, you know, you know, as Alexandra said, the rules are, are there to be abided by and, and, and help these kind of promotions. But how much sort of tracking and oversight do you have to do to make sure they don't sort of go out of control? Uh, a tremendous amount. Uh, actually, I mean, we operate uh, much in the same way that AJ was talking about. We we are we aren't using you know like uh, third party platforms, which is like you know influencers marketing as like a service or something like that. Uh, these are all you know personal relationships uh, that 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 we've developed, um, and and so it's not something that can you know, well, we're just going to find our link somewhere out on the internet, uh, you know, uh, being being abused. That's not really. Uh, there, there, we we don't have the incentives in place for for that to necessarily happen. Um, it's it's again, this is much more individual relationships built through trust, built over time. Um, which is two ways, by the way. It's not just us trusting the influencers. It's it's the influencers trusting us. And in many ways, that's more important. Uh, we're 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 out here trying to make great content, and we want to be known as a brand that's sponsoring great content, that's bringing great content, and making it possible. Um, so if all we are are an ad read in which somebody's reading off a script and essentially just wasting the viewer's time, um, no one's really going to like us, right? <laughs> That's not how you build yeah, a positive yeah. brand. It might be how you inform people about your features and there's, and there's value in that, um, but it won't do much to build your brand. In fact, it'll be, oh, current. That's the company that wastes my life 30 seconds at a time. Um, no, we, we want to be known as, 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 as putting forth, uh, enabling great content to, to, to be out there. And so, uh, again, this is something that you can do at scale, but it requires, you know, lots of people and lots of relationships. It's not something that's automated. Um, you know, not to say that, you know, influencer marketing is a term that's, that's so broad that there isn't an affiliate portion of it that, that, that can apply. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of brand ambassadorships and all that stuff that, that can exist. But, um, for us, it's, it's slightly different. Uh, Mary, I was going to just ask you very quickly. I know you're about to dive into a point, um, but I did want to ask you: of all the people that we're um, speaking to at the moment, obviously at Eleven FS, um, how how much or how important is it? I suppose from an ethics perspective, that whatever marketing is distributed, let's say by influencers, by people our clients are talking to in terms of partnerships, that you know there's an emphasis on. Uh, the the influencer actually talking you know in, in an educated way around the financial projects that, that that they're putting out because there is that element of trust between okay you know this is great but you know does this person really know what they're talking about and you know how how real is this and 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 I just wondered in terms of um, you know your exposure to you know lots and lots of companies who are looking to do this where, where that's where, where that is there a fine line there. Yeah, I, th I think it's fair to say that financial services as a whole is a little bit behind with influencer marketing as a whole, right? So, you know, there's other industries that are more advanced in terms of how they work with and, and utilize influencer marketing. But I would say then within that space in financial services, fintechs are at the forefront of understanding the value that influencers can bring. I, I think the, the reason for that is because they get that they need to build trust in different ways with, with their audiences. Um, and that's really by being relevant, by being responsive, and most importantly, by being transparent. So, you know, the, the fintechs that are using um, influencers, at least that we've spoken to, get that transparency and that trust element is so important that you're going to do yourself more harm than good. Um, 
if if uh, if you're not working with influencers or they are communicating messages that are are, are not adding value to to your customers um i would say though that um if if you are removing friction if you are making easier for your customers to access a financial product then your responsibility for education increases um and i think we've we've seen a few examples of that and um this is where i kind of want to uh uh, go over to you, AJ, because you guys started an influence marketing council, right? Um, because you realize that with the, with the benefit comes the responsibility. Yeah, completely. And I think, um, um, to, to Alex's point earlier, we, we're sort of uh, in this weird space where half our products are regulated because we are a bank too, but half aren't and they're unregulated. And so there's this sort of lovely friction between the FCA and then the ASA and then also this accountability as our brand to actually be upheld to, to the levels of the FCA, despite I guess the, some, some, the, there's discrepancy between, between the two entities. Um, I mean, for us, the, the, so the white, I guess the council, and I'll, I'll keep it really, really quick, was made up of um, um, representatives by myself from Klarna. Um, it was um, experts in, in sort of financial wellness um, influences. So um, Kia Commodore from um, Pennies to Pounds, um, a lady called Claire Seal from My Frugal Year. And then we had um, uh, lifestyle influences involved as well on the panel alongside mental health experts, um, a, an ex-rep uh, from the ASA, Rupa Shah, so, um, as well as agency experts who tend to, I guess, I guess be the conduit between platform influencer and brand. We, we, we unluckily couldn't get a rep from one of the platforms. It was a bit too of a hot topic for them to want to join, but, but we lent into a lot of the issues that exist within influencer marketing. And because there's an element of, is it the influencer? Is it the brand is it the plat who, who's accountable and 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 the answer is it's, it's sort of everyone um but the, the topics we went into was actually the the current setup um, for financial services isn't good enough um and so the white paper that we've launched and the the level of um of changes we've made at plan are going to go above what the fca asks you to do go above what the asa asks you to do to actually be super clear and transparent in 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 both messaging and disruption so that you know as a consumer who I guess the purpose of the council is to better protect them, that actually you are seeing an advert. Um, and yes, the person who's giving the message might be a native and, and someone that you see every day, but this is a paid for transaction and it's a brand they've bought into, but, but just being super clear about that point. Um, there's lots more other stuff in, in sort of the white paper around geography and, and, and things like that and then age. And, but, um, but the main point there was really around transparency and in, in, in disruption in, 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 the different um, part, I guess, platforms and channels within the platforms to make sure that you know it's not being hidden because a lot of influencers will hide ad at the end of a you know five sentences or they'll yeah do do what they can to sort of keep their credibility up because they want to um, I guess avoid to be seen to be working with too many people. I could rant about this for a long time, so I'm just going to stop for a sec. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we we did we did mention about the ethics of doing you know of of kind of. Um, be uh, customers being misinformed i guess in terms of what they're hearing um i suppose uh, aj like from your perspective you've set up that council but how have you maybe put that into practice alexandra i'd be interested to get your views on that as well but how have you put this into practice so actually if you're looking yeah. at 
you know, working with influencers and they're not necessarily displaying the fact that this is an ad or they're not adhering to, if you're doing a regulated product, they're not adhering yeah. to, you know, the regulations. How do you oversee that? So, so we've, um, a few things have, um, we've implemented. So I guess from an age perspective, we only work with influencers 21 plus, um, in, in, in our markets from a transparency of message perspective, I'll use Instagram stories as an example, cause it's probably an, an easy one to, to digest for everyone we have we now have a start frame um before the influencer content that is branded or natively branded with the influencer that says add with our t's and c's you then see the content from the influencer and then at the end of that story you see end of advert with the t's and c's again so and, and that i guess mentality and that thinking has been brought into every channel whether it be a live stream on uh, tiktok or stories or it be a in feed and really that disruption module that says this is an advert here are the T's and C's associated with it. Um, and when it comes to the copy and text, it's capital letters up front. Um, the other thing we've done is removed hashtags because hashtags weren't designed for compliance messaging. Um, they were designed for curating conversation. Um, so we, we sort of made that call too. Designed for computer programming, I think, in the initial part. Yeah. But yeah, they, they've, that's been an evolution of, of all yeah. sorts. But yeah. Um, Cool. Um, we want to talk a little bit about um, the trends into the future, which I'll come on to in a sec. But to sort of lead to that, um, TikTok recently updated their branding content policy. I think this is quite an interesting point to ban not only cryptocurrency influencers on its platform, but all creators promoting financial products, uh, including cryptocurrencies, be, uh, buy now, pay later companies, loans, credit cards, forex companies, etc. I, I guess in the context of w where we're heading with, I guess, the influencer economy, do you think that those kind of uh, moves by such, you know, uh, huge platforms like TikTok actually could spell the end of this or it puts sort of some boundaries around actually what's possible and what the distribution is and, and reach is? Not necessarily, I guess, from a uh, an audience perspective, but from a product perspective. Um, I, if I can, I'm happy to jump in just quickly because I've, I've yeah, read the policy on. and been in touch with TikTok a bit about it um, just to, to try and understand was it clickbait in media and, and what's the, the, the truth of the change. Um, and I guess in reality, what they've done is whilst they don't have a tech solution at the moment to allow creators to basically um, provide targeting of their content. Um, where it should be age-gated, like alcohol, financial services, whatever, right? So for, for until that tech solution is in place, creators cannot organically post content for uh, fin, uh, crypto brands, why not pay later brands, financial services brands. There, my understanding is there'll be a tech solution in place in August, which will allow them right. to then target and allow that age-gating to be in place. So it's a responsible way of communicating. And I guess in lieu of that, um, any content on TikTok from creators would need to be pushed out by the brand channel um, where you can target or by served by ad, the ad units where you can again target to ensure the age gating is there and you're not essentially introducing a message that is an 18 plus to a minor. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is, is it, is it is age gating the solution? I don't know, or is it just financial literacy? I don't know. I'm just. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a wider question. Um, I, I guess Adam, just coming to you quickly. Um, in terms of you know your strategy with influencer marketing, do you see that continuing? Do you see that growing? And do you see you guys at Current sort of investing more and more into that as a, a primary distribution channel? Yeah, certainly. And, and distribution is just one of the ways in which it's it's it's, it's a strategy for us, right? Uh, it's also part of our product strategy. I mean, if you um, you know, speaking of Mr. Beast, right? Uh, if, if you come in from a Mr. Beast uh, promotion, right, you're getting a Mr. Beast experience. Um, one, he's sending you money, so that's cool. Uh, but yeah. two, uh, 
you know, we we have points. We're actually we're actually one of the 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 few uh, debit cards out there that you can actually earn points for. Um, now, you know, points are we kind of associate points with things like oh, you redeem them for travel, you redeem them for maybe you know an exclusive dinner reservation or access to uh, some concert tickets or something like that. Um, for us, we're, we're we're trying to think, okay, well, how can we make current points relevant to current customers? Uh, and people of this generation. And look, if you're you're coming in uh, for Mr. Beast, you get access to an exclusive Mr. Beast by Current hoodie. Exclusive merch only available through Current that you get with points. In fact, if you direct deposit, uh, you you get the points for free. Uh, so it's actually the only way in which you can really get free Mr. Beast merch. So it's free. It's exclusive. Uh, but again, that that's that's part of the product. That's part of the experience. It's yeah. far more than just uh, distribution. And so uh, no, it's 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 a huge part of what we're doing. And then and it. Will continue to be as 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 long as influences are a huge part of our, our customers' lives, and so I, I don't see that coming to an end anytime soon. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Alexandra, Marriott, just your views on that before we b- before we finish. In terms of uh, Alexandra, I'll come to you first. In terms of you know, is this a you know from an influencer perspective, you know, is is this something that's going to stay and grow? I mean, I, I'm sure it will, but will it manifest? I guess no, it's into- it's going to evolve really yeah. rapidly. You know, just look how quickly the the Trends change the nature of the platforms, who their audience is. Look at you know how that changes, and that and, the, and so I'm looking forward to the the platforms that have not yet been invented, uh, that within a couple of years will be where we will be seeking uh, influences. I mean that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, and Marriott, just to um, you know, to, to to play on that a little bit, um, what, where do you see? Uh, where do you see the future of this? Again, speaking to the, you know the amount of clients and 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 fintech companies and institutions that we speak to. So um, a few things we've we've touched on the sort of content creation, but I think as um, as more financial services brands get used to working with influencers, we'll we'll see them not only being used as distribution channels, but more and more as production channels, helping you to, to scale your marketing teams. Um, at the moment, you can access sort of micro influencers, maybe even um, bigger, um, for uh, as underpriced attention. Right? Whether that will remain underpriced, <laughs> where we will see. Um, I'm sure they will, will catch on, and it won't be a, as cost effective maybe as it is right now. Um, and the last thing, Adam, that um, certainly I'm keeping an eye on is is B2B influencer um, influencer marketing. I think that's probably. Um, uh, much less tapped um, than, than at least B2C um, influencers. Um, it, obviously, it has a different dynamic, um, but I think there's lots of opportunity there. Who, who could win in that space? I mean, in terms of, like, from a B2B perspective, like, if you were to put up a company and be like, that's the one that you'd want to, that's the one you'd want to tap into, who, who like, wh- who's, what's an example on that? Well, uh, Adam, I'm going to have to go 11FS there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear God. Uh, that wasn't even planned. Great. Fantastic. Well, well done, Marriott. Very much on brand. Um, we'll leave it there. That wraps up today's discussion. Um, that was really enjoyable. Like, really, really, like, thanks. Uh, thank you to all you guys, like, for bringing such sort of different, but um, really, really, like, amazing perspectives on that. It was really interesting. Um, where can people find out more about yourself and your companies? Uh, I'll go from the top to so Alex, uh, yourself first. Yeah, you'll find us at starlingbank.com and I'm on Twitter at Freeney. Cool. Uh, AJ? 
Um, for Klarna, I'll direct you to klarna.com forward slash UK and then forward slash again, the hyphen influencer hyphen council, where you can read a lot about our white paper and thoughts there. And I'm shamefully at just underscore coin underscore it on Twitter. Oh, man. I'm going straight there after this. I want to see what you're posting. Love that. Uh, Adam, what about yourself? Uh, you can check us out at current.com, but really current.com slash careers. That's that's most important. We're hiring very aggressively here in New York. Uh, so that's that's the number one place you can go. Uh, as for me, uh, along those lines, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or or find me on Twitter. Um, it's, it's Adam Hattie. Uh, but that careers page, check that out. Cool, man. And Mar- Mariette? So I'm on LinkedIn and over on Twitter at Mariette F-E-R. And of course, check out our authentic marketing podcast. Um, we're on all podcast platforms. Um, yeah, give us a listen. Yeah, and I'm uh, on the same LinkedIn, Adam D8, at obviously 11fs.com. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make it better uh, and helps others to find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, uh, find us on social media. Just search for 11fs or FinTech Insider or email podcasts at 11fs.com. Uh, thanks so much for this, guys. Uh, and uh, thanks for this week. And we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.